thinking about this a lot. I'm going to be writing about this topic, and you you wrote about this in your book. You talk about the four core pillars of connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity. Those are very human-centric things. Nobody can create a playbook. You can have, again, a framework, not necessarily a playbook for, okay, this is how you connect with another human being. This is how you show curiosity. So I've come to the conclusion that playbooks only satisfy one person in the organization. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Brandon Fluharty. Brandon is Vice President of Strategic Account Solutions at LivePerson and a coach who helps elite SaaS sales pros earn $1 million or more per year without burning out. And in our conversation today, we talk about how elite sellers set goals and how elite sellers develop their sales plans to achieve their target and to earn more than a million dollars per year. We dig into five core operating principles that Brandon feels are essential to operate at a consistently high level. We talk about effective personal goal setting, and we dive into the topic of fit, personal fit, in terms of finding the right situation for you. Because as much as anything, finding the right fit for your skills and your values will dictate your chances for success. So we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Brandon, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it. If you could also leave us a review and give us your feedback about how we're doing. We'd really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Brandon, welcome back to the show. Andy, thanks for having me, as always. A pleasure to, pleasure to have you. So you're almost becoming like a, a regular, you know, like on Saturday Night Live, the guest <laughs> yes. is there like five times to get like a blazer or something. So I don't know if I have a blazer for oh, you. Oh, man. But- okay. Yeah, it's a hat so, trick. Sorry. Yeah, I feel uh, I feel privileged here. Thanks for having me on for three times. Well, this is yeah. this is probably fourth time. Oh, that's right. Yeah, actually fourth time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I think number five is a robe. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Tom okay. Hanks got his robe on SNL. I think. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. If we make it five, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll do something for you. I'm not sure there exactly what that is. <laughs> it sounds might, good. might be a robe for your Ken doll or something. But, yeah. There we uh, go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're still recording this at the beginning of the year. Um, right. One thing I want to talk about is you know goal setting and planning because. Yeah. Um, so important. I actually have got a lot of comments from people about recently about, yeah, how do I plan? How do yeah. I set my goals? Um, and you have big expectations. I mean, you, yeah. your stake in the ground is a seven-figure income. A lot of people have built a great following on that over the last year. People want to hear what you do. So I thought, well, let's, let's talk about how you set goals at the beginning of sure. the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – so, yeah. It may divide it. We'll start, start with business and we'll go into personal. Yeah. Sounds good. So how do you set yourself up to say, okay, gosh, I, yeah, I want to make a million and a half dollars this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where, where do you start with that? So I, I've learned over the, the past four or five years, um, starting a, a, a year off, not having a tight grip on very specific goals. I've ditched resolutions a long time ago. <laughs> um, you know, yes. we, yeah, the, the science just 
doesn't show that we we stick with anything very specific because you know life is not a linear mm-hmm. uh, approach and and the same thing with with life. I mean, all we have to do is look back to 2020. I mean, we were I was coming off of yeah best year of my career yeah, right. yeah. Uh, in 2019. We were working together 20 throughout 2019. Mm-hmm. And I depleted my pipeline, but I thought going into 2020, oh, I can still rebuild my pipeline and 2x my my results. And you know, three months later, COVID hit, and it felt like the the end of the world. Um, but after the initial shock and all, mm-hmm. I started actually feeling very calm and and almost in, invigorated by the ability to really deliberately focus um, because what I do is approach my year with a theme in mind. And that's, that's my recommendation for folks. Um, And I know you've written about this in, in your, your awesome book. Uh, Thank you for an advanced copy of sell Sell without selling out. Um, I, I think we are in full agreement around your goals need to be yours. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It needs to be, an intrinsic motivation um, on whatever body of work that, that, that you're putting out to the world, it's got to be yours. It, it can't mm-hmm. be your company's. It can't be your manager's. So uh, I, I take some quiet time, um, usually you know, before the year ends, and, and I like to just do a complete audit of how my previous year went. Right. And... Um, you know, from from there, I, I, I look at things that I, I can truly measure, not, again, just the sales activity metrics of, of my closing ratio. Of course, those numbers are, are really important, but I do look at other things that I'm not shy about talking about, health, um, you know, other areas in my life mm-hmm. uh, that, that are important to me, you know, my personal brand and and where I want to go in the, in the, in the next few years. So I, I do a complete audit of, of that. And I just look at the, the data objectively. Um, I, I look at it, you know, through the lens of curiosity, uh, again, one of your, your core pillars and mm-hmm. that, that you talk about. Um, I think curiosity is not only a good way to approach sales, but it's, it's just a good way to approach our own personal work. And so with curiosity, I can look at the data, I can look at trends, I can look at, hey, I, I accomplished this doing these interesting things, how can I repeat that? How can I make, how can I systemize some of these things that, that helped me to win this really large account? How mm-hmm. can I incorporate those things and systemize them every single time um, and, and learn and, and continue to evolve and adapt? Uh, I can't do that without taking the quiet time to do some deep reflection, do some deep work in unearthing you know, what those trends were and the, the, those key insights. So step right. one, I need to, before I know where to go, I need to know where, where, where I came from. Okay. For you, is it a bottoms up then from there? Yeah, from, from there, I, I try to look at um, again, with with a lens of curiosity, ask myself, okay, what went well? Those are the things I want to systemize and repeat and double down on. Right. And what didn't go well, and and that that that's going to be my area of, of focus for improvement. Mm-hmm. How do I systemize the learning, the skills that I need in the areas that I feel are are weakest? So by improving those things, I can continue to just level up and 
you know, again, I'm a big believer in this system of personal operating system. Right. So my personal operating system is, is doing those two things, essentially. Right. Um, and one of the key components to, to sort of that's easily measurable, is very quantifiable, is what is my hourly rate? And for folks who carry a quota, for, for, for folks, it's a very simple thing to do. Just look back in your HR system. How many hours did you work? And uh, you know, divide your comp by the n- number of hours you worked. That's essentially your, your hourly rate. And what you want to do is have your system pointed at either maintaining that hourly rate, if you are happy where it is, or increasing that hourly rate. And the, the, the two levers that you can really pull are you know, improving the things that you're weak at and continue to double down on the things that you're really good at. And mm-hmm. so that's what my system is, is pointed to. And to keep my system in place, I start holistically with a theme, not specific goals. Oh, I want to earn $2 million this year, or I want to I do this or that. Um, I, I have a, a very specific theme, um, which my theme for this year just happens to be focus on the high leverage activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm going to even index more on the things that are working well and, and put my, my focus behind those things that are generating the revenue, that are building my personal brand. Again, the things that are personal to me. Um, and then the natural outcome, the natural output of that is you know, retiring quota, surpassing quota, mm-hmm. making the, the income that I want, building the relationships that, that are important, and so forth and so on. So how do you then break that down into, you know, here's my quarterly, monthly, weekly, yeah. however, you know, whichever way you sort of denominate it. Yeah. Action plan. Yeah. So once I have the theme in place, then I need a set of operating principles. And when I, I speak with a lot of sales folks out there through either mentoring or, or one-on-one advising, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is the gap that's missing in a lot of sales folks' annual routine or even, mm-hmm. you know, recurring routine which is to have a set of operating principles. We buy into company having a set of operating principles, and we even see the likes of, of, of Amazon, and, and we do it actually very effectively here at LivePerson. We use our core operating principles to make decisions with customers and clients and so forth. However, you know, we, we need that same foundation as individuals. And mm-hmm. so, again, a part of that annual review is once I've done a complete audit of where I was last year and looking right. at my operating principles that helped me to deliver the results that either I met or, or didn't meet, um, then I, I look at my operating principles and I say to myself or ask myself, are these operating principles um, germane to helping satisfy my theme for this year? And, so give us an example yeah. of what that might be, yeah. what an operating principle is. So I have a, a list. Um, I have actually two sides to the list for my operating principles. I have very highly aspirational ones. And an example could be be authentic. It needs to be ac- mm-hmm. actionable. And mm-hmm. in every situation, for instance, I want to be authentic. I want to be myself. I should never have to, whether it's in front of a prospect, in front of a coworker, uh, in front of a, a friend, I, I should be essentially the same person. Um, right. obviously what I say might be, might differ, 
uh, whether I'm having coffee with a friend or I'm meeting with a C-level executive, obviously. But I should never be one person to someone and another person to somebody mm-hmm. else. And so that's, a, that's an example of an aspirational uh, operating principle. And then I have very specific ones that, again, these, these principles are helping, to, helping me to make decisions every single day. So that when I'm asking what my, you know, reminding myself what my theme is, am I focusing on a high value activity when maybe I go down a stream of scrolling on LinkedIn and, and replying to comments? I, I will be thinking to myself, is this a high value activity? And if it's not, then that shakes me out of whatever it is I'm doing to mm-hmm. focus on that. So there could be very specific things like uh, I call these the tactical side of the list. Uh, no, ingest no caffeine after 12 p.m., for instance, because okay. I heavily believe in um, you know keeping my my health intact. I, I believe yep. in managing my energy well. And I want to get good sleep. That's a part of a, a, a core foundation to my uh, working right. day. And so by reducing caffeine in the afternoon, I know that I can sleep well at night. So that's a very simple example of a very tactical one. So I have mm-hmm. this list of aspirational and highly tactical. Um, and I, again, I adjust those based off, off of what my theme is for that particular year. So then from breaking it down into the, well, I guess what I said with that question before was on a business level, yeah. um, planning, again, what a week, month yeah. would look like. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I, I, I always feel like at the beginning of the year when you start looking at your plan that yeah. to me, 90 days seems like an optimal period of time. Yep. I mean, we, we do want consistency and continuity, but yeah. Things change, as you talked about. Life yeah. is not linear, and yep. uh, you don't fall on your sword on a one-year plan because it's going to change after 90 right. days. Exactly. I, I agree with you. I think at a macro level, don't really look further out than, than 90 days because, again, something could happen that that was that is unforeseen that could completely mm-hmm. rattle your annual plan that mm-hmm. if, if, if you don't have the solid foundations like a theme for the year that keeps right. you calm and focused, you don't have your operating principles where it's like, okay, doesn't matter what I can't control, I can control these things. So mm-hmm. 90 days is a good window of, of time to say, I can implement this skill, right? I, I can set down a path of for every, every working day, I'll dedicate 25 minutes in my working routine to uh, make extra phone calls or work on researching a a prospect or um, leveling up a a certain skill around demos or presentations. Mm -hmm. So I can can focus, I can control those things. And then that comes back down to, I think, what the single unit of success across 90 days, uh, a year, is a single work day, then you can craft your day to say, okay, here are my operating principles. What actions do I need to take? Well, first you need to dissect what, um, again, what it is you want to achieve. So it could be, here's my account list and I want to acquire these five accounts, um, in, in this year. Mm -hmm. And then you break and, and then you treat essentially everything in your life that is uh, you know, meaningful to you into a project. 
And once things are manageable like a project, then you can systemize your approach against those things. So um, then I have my projects laid out and then I can have two sets of actions. Either this is a one-time action that I need to complete or this is ongoing recurring actions that I need to schedule into my calendar and I need to protect that time. Again, an example could be I have what I call a diamond account. This would be that 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 whale that you want to uh, bring in uh, for, mm-hmm. for the year and you need to have recurring tasks against the, that account. And it could be research. It could be connecting with the C-level executives, understanding um, what their key initiatives are, doing the, the, the proper research. Um, so those then are put on my calendar. And then all I have to focus on is showing up each day and executing on, on that action set. Um, and then that becomes very binary. Either mm-hmm. I, I completed that action or I did <laughs> not. And, and again, at the end of the day, I can be curious like a scientist and ask myself, well, why didn't I? Why didn't I complete this action? Maybe I got pulled into meetings that were not high value meetings. Mm-hmm. Or I got pulled into different directions that, again, were out of my control that perhaps could have been controlled if if I didn't break my focus or I didn't allow myself to get pulled into different directions. And so that makes everything feel, again, calm, controlled, you know, induces confidence and keeps things manageable because I know each day I have certain inputs and all I have to do is focus on executing those inputs and the natural outputs will be Satisfying the quota, you know, acquiring that account, um, meeting the the um, you know, economic uh, goals that that I've set, you know, that that I, I I want to achieve in life. I don't even focus on those things; they're they they just naturally happen at this point. Right. And so, as you describe this this approach to things, is calm, in control, is. Yeah, contrast very much with what you oftentimes talk about is that, you know, the whole the hustle culture, right? Yes. Yeah. And and it's striking because what it's to me, one of the big differences is that what you're talking about, and it's something that I believe in strongly as well, is is this level of intentionality about what you do. Whereas to me, you know, the hustle culture, the way it's so promulgated and promoted is is uh just sort of activity based as opposed to really being targeted. Yeah. Yeah. It really does start with your intentions and having more control over how you spend your time and how you spending, spend your energy. Actually, mm-hmm. I, I look at it as against five key criteria. Um, I think if you can manage five things really well, you'll just naturally have good outcomes. It's time, it's energy, it's priorities, your motivation and the right focus. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so if we were to create an acronym around that, you know, I love my acronyms. Yes, I do. I do too. I love my acronyms. Yes. Um, temper. Um, so you're, you're managing your temper. How will you spend your time on high value activities? Mm-hmm. I can constantly ask myself, um, 
and, and I've got my operating principles to help me make those decisions. Should I be in this internal meeting or shouldn't I? Should I um, start with looking at my email inbox mm-hmm. or responding to Slack or should I focus on my hardest task first, which might be building out a strategic proposal or right. doing research on that diamond account? My energy, how you harness and maintain your energy. We were talking a little bit about this before the show. You know, what you eat, how you sleep, how you exercise, how you manage your 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 energy, when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, those things like operating like an athlete, a world-class athlete. Yep. Um, you could have all the time in the world, but if you haven't been you know, maintaining your health, if I got COVID uh, and I'm out and I'm sick, well, you know, that could be three days missed, right? And then when you calculate your hourly rate, well, that could add up very, very quickly. So you start mm-hmm. becoming more deliberate and intentional about, well, actually reducing my caffeine helps with my sleep at night uh, by re- by getting rid of it in the afternoon, eating these things, exercising in these ways, doing these wellness activities. Um, so ma- managing your energy is really important. Well, and I think that just to, to follow up on that with people is to understand is that it doesn't really doesn't matter what profession you're in, but since we're talking about sales, yeah. is, is right. who you are as a seller or a sales manager is not just who you are between eight and five. Yeah. Is your point. I think this is so important for people to sort of begin to understand is that this is not about working 24 hours. It's about being sensitive about the other factors outside of work that have an impact on work. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yeah, again, we're in violent agreement around yeah. bringing the human component back into a very human centric mm-hmm. industry. Right. And I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm going to be writing about this, this topic and, and you, you wrote about this in your book. You, you talk about the four core pillars of connection, curiosity, understanding, generosity, those are very human-centric things. Mm-hmm. Nobody can create a playbook. Um, you can have, again, a framework, but not necessarily a play- playbook for, okay, this is how you connect with another human being. This is how you show <laughs> curiosity. This is how you – so the, I, I've come to the conclusion that playbooks only satisfy one person in the organization, the, the, the leader that's created them or the, the, the rev ops person right. who, who, who isn't on the front lines, um, creating that linear process when we know right. a sales cycle is like this. And so yeah. what it's missing is the, the human reality that comes mm-hmm. with connecting, showing curiosity, understanding what that, uh, that stakeholder, that buyer needs, and and injecting some generosity to, to use your, your your core pillars. And and so we gotta get back to the the individual, the seller needs to take control of that. You know, so so again, this is where I, I look at like managing temper, your time and, and your energy, and, and again, you know, uh, your your priorities, what are your priorities? Um, what, what's your motivation and then what's the right focus? How will you focus on doing the right things the best you can at all times? And, and, right. and that, it, that might sound like 
utopia, but you, you can hold yourself to that high standard. Am I doing the right things at the right time? The best I can. And if I don't have, if I don't give myself the right time, they all feed into one another. If I don't have the right energy, if I don't have the right motivation, I don't have the right priorities planned out. Of course, what's the natural outcome of that? If, if, if I'm in constant reactive mode, I'm following the playbook that's been given to me from my, my RevOps manager, and I'm told just focus on the activity. Mm-hmm. Well, then I'm not focusing on the right activities because they mean nothing to me as the individual. I didn't take ownership of, of the process. And so my system is going to honestly be a fear-based system yep. versus an intention-based system that is highly personal to me. Yeah, which is and this fear-based system is why it's so hard to change things in sales because right. managers operate from position of fear. So, um, all right, your temper, time, energy, motivation, P is for priorities. Priorities, yep. We, we talked about those. So what is the second E? Uh, actually, there's no E there. So it's it's one of those that, that doesn't oh. have the, the vowel. And then the, the last um, okay. well, letter is R, right focus. Yep. Right focus, okay. Yep. So taking some liberties there to play with that acronym, but, uh, I've got uh, one of my own that's missing yeah. an E as well. I'm, I'm coming out with yeah. it this year in a broader, <laughs> broader, so it's good. Yeah. It's, teach, it's teacher, but there's no E in it, but it's, it's about habit formation. Um, yes. love it. Temper. I like that time, yeah. energy, motivation, priorities, right. Focus. Again, think about this as we've talked about, this is people listening as this is about intentionality, right? Yeah. Is, yeah, as you express, playbooks, the problem with playbooks, as opposed to, let's say, frameworks, yes, is that playbooks, yeah, I want to take that intentionality away. Just follow the process. Just follow the process. Right. And we're in a business, in a profession, where if there's 5 million salespeople, there are 5 million different ways to sell. Yes. And managers hate that, right? Because yeah. they want there to be one way to sell. Yeah. And there's not just one way to sell. Yeah. And the way to level that up is like, like we just said, is it's, it's not follow a prescriptive playbook. It's, it's allowing the seller to have a framework or a mental model to make decisions on their own. You've hired these folks for a reason. They're, they, they're obviously intelligent enough. They're um, curious enough. They're, they're, they're coachable enough. So don't give them something that degrades their craft. Give them frameworks and the ability to elevate their craft so that they mm-hmm. can make decisions for themselves. And right. playbooks take the human element out. Frameworks yep. bring the human element back in. And I look at temper, it's your compass. So you've, you've, you've looked at your, your previous year. You've, you've analyzed the data so you understand, okay, my closing ratio was 77.8%. I sent out six proposals. I closed, you know, five deals. Here's, you know, here's the numbers, right? Now I can work with those numbers and it's, and, and, and that's not where you stop. Now it's how do you apply those numbers in a really, again, intentional way, a personalized way. And so temper gives you that compass. And then you want to underpin that uh, again, be- going back to the single unit of success, and, and I, I call a workday as the single unit of success for a reason because there are things that you can control every workday, 
And there are some things you can't control. So mm -hmm. focus your system on the things that you can control. Uh, another acronym, I call it, uh, well, this is more of just three letters, <laughs> uh, DFC, um, discipline, flexibility, and curiosity is sort mm -hmm. of my way of operating any, with anything that has a beginning, middle, and end. So the way I start my day, I want to start with discipline. Like a world-class athlete, they know how to warm themselves up, get ready for intense training, get ready for competition, and perform at a really elite level. So mm -hmm. I can do the same thing with a morning routine and do that consistently versus what's the de facto mode. Open my laptop, go right straight to my inbox. I've got a few slacks waiting for me. I'm in reactive mode in that scenario versus being proactive to, no, actually, hey, I planned things out. Uh, I know exactly what I need to do today. I will get to the, 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 the email a little bit later. And if you're responding in two hours versus, you know, 30 minutes. Now, again, this might be role specific, so I don't want to mm -hmm. give the, the wrong folks the, the wrong idea here. If I'm really in a competitive role, such as maybe an SDR, yeah, maybe I want to respond quicker than that. But again, as a strategic seller, uh, you know, nobody is going to die if I don't respond to an email. I'll, I will get to my email twice a day. But at a very specific time, not at all hours of the day. Again, getting yep. out of that perpetual hustle culture. Yeah, I mean, Juliet Funt, so guest ahead on my show, right. Juliet Funt wrote this book called White Space. And yeah, it talks about, yeah, three to schedule email. Yeah. Right? If you want yep. to escape the trap. So yeah, I, there are days I'm better at it than others, quite frankly. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I started trying to do it like 9 noon and 3 p.m. Yeah, yeah. And spend the rest of the time, yeah, yeah. not distracted by it, not yeah. owned by it. Yeah, that way we're, we're not going down the, the rabbit hole unnecessarily and we're like, it, you know, all of a sudden it's 3 p.m. and we look back on our plan and we said, well, actually I wanted to get this, this really, I wanted to get this proposal out or I wanted to create this presentation for Thursday's meeting. And I didn't get a chance to do it because all I was doing was reacting to the, the influx of things vying for our attention. And so this is where, again, our operating principles helps us to snap back into focus. And then we can say, okay, DFC um, is the way I operate every day. So I've been disciplined in the morning. Now in the middle of the day or the middle of a meeting, when things go haywire uh, during a presentation or a, a sales cycle uh, or uh, a year and, and a mm -hmm. pandemic is upon us, we need to be flexible. Um, we're going to need to adapt to new things, new external um, stimuli that's coming at us. Right. And, and we'll need to pivot on the dime. So I, I like to think of myself during the middle of something, I'm more like a creative artist. And I think of, uh, you know, an improv comedian because you can mm -hmm. get a heckler in the crowd and it, it, it would normally throw somebody off. But if you're a pro, it's almost like it's scripted. You, you're like, wow, how did they, they pivot so quickly? How could they be in the moment to just know how to snap out of it um, when, when there wasn't something they were expecting? And right. so that's, that's what we need to embody when, when we can't control everything. 
And then as I come to the conclusion on something, again, whether it's a work day or a meeting or a sales engagement, that's when I want to look back on everything with, with curiosity. And I, I start to ask those questions. What went well? What didn't go well? And how do I make the changes so that tomorrow I'm better at those right. things? Right. And then like that it. leads to the last thing. Um, prep, we've talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. but this this acronym is is again how i i approach every single work day i plan rest effort and perform so planning is the last thing i do uh, as my activity for today that gives me the ability and the confidence to know okay no i'm not going to start my inbox because i know by 11am I need to do this hardest task. This is my high leverage activity. It's going to take me 90 minutes or I'm estimating it's going to be t- taking me 90 minutes. And so that's time blocked on my calendar. I'm not pushing that time off my calendar for anything. I need mm-hmm. to get it done because I know if I do that, I'm one step closer to closing this deal or getting to the income level that I want. That planning allows me to truly get everything out of my head and be clear of thought so that I can rest, I can recover and I can be present in the other elements of my life, whether that's a hobby, hopping on the bike, or whether that's spending time with my wife, I can really not be tied, tethered to my phone and not present. And that'll naturally have better effect because we have positive relationship where, where I'm feeling good. I'll naturally get a good night's sleep. Things aren't nagging at me because I've tied up all of my loose ends. Mm -hmm. And then that allows me to give E 100% effort, intense effort to the things that I had already planned out. And then uh, the the final P, performance. Again, with that curiosity, this is how DFC and prep sort of weave into one another. I can look back, how did I perform? Right. Ask those two basic questions. What went well? Double down on that. Keep that a repeatable thing. What didn't go well? Okay, what do I need to do to improve that? And it's a no, like flywheel that. that just keeps the momentum going forward, and I'm less focused. I'm less fearful of the outcomes. It's, it's, it, it, I, I really do fall in love with the process. I show up each day. I look forward to these routines mm-hmm. at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. And the middle starts to become an exciting adventure because I have routines, because I have structure, I can actually be creative in those moments. I bring, I use the science to become a better artist. Right. No, I like it. I really like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, not quite as organized, but I'm, <laughs> I, I, we all have processes, right? Right. I'm mean, like, I said, I've, I've, yeah, I planned for the end of the day. So what the next day is. Uh, so when you get to work, you know, exactly what you got to get done, have it prioritized, uh, yeah, try not to have huge to-do lists. Yeah. Uh, you know, just focus on what you get done. But I have another list of strategic initiatives that I keep checking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my thing with with <laughs> is when I go to sleep, is actually, it's so funny. It's, I don't know if you have this too. It's like, some reason when I try to go to sleep, creativity starts popping up. And I start thinking of all these new ideas. Not things that I should be doing, yeah. but things that, and I'll have days like when I wake up the next morning, what I do is I, I send myself emails. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wake up yeah. and it's like, 
oh my God, I've got 10 emails from me. (laughs) These ideas that's like, I don't want to go to sleep because I'm going to lose this idea. Right. I won't remember it unless I send it or write myself a note or do something. Yeah. For me, it's easiest to send an email. But anyway. Yeah, and that's where the right tools come into place to support your system. And then that's that's another part of the process that I evaluate. I, I really, I mean, I geek out on on having the right productivity tools, wearing wearables, all, all these things that sort of feed into the important things in my life. And so that will be a part of the other evaluation after I do my annual reviews. Well, what mm-hmm. tools do I need to support right. operating in this way? And yeah, you know, getting ideas out of your head, you know, what works for you might not work for somebody else. So I need the right tool for capturing that. It could be a simple mm-hmm. journal next to the bed. Um, uh, I've heard of, you know, listening to knowable Dickie Bush, who, who's uh, done some amazing things on how to write online. And he has um, a waterproof pad when he gets, yeah, the, I actually get out a lot of ideas in the shower as well. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to. You record it in my Apple Watch, and, it, and uh, my phone's in the other room, so it can't connect. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just having the right tools so that when inspiration strikes, you're ready to capture it and, and feed it into the system. Yeah. Yeah, a tool I've gotten to use over the last year is uh, called Rome Research, which is this networked information tool. It's just, yeah, everything I know is in there now. Um, nice. So one last question I just want to explore in the few minutes we have left is, all right, you're building this following. You've been building your personal brand, doing a great job over the last year with that. Um, Is obviously, I'm sure you get a lot of questions from people about, you know, the seven figure income. That's sort of the the brand you've built. And, and I hear this question a lot too, is, is this idea about, you know, people obviously aspire to that, but the sort of missing piece that they oftentimes don't think about is, okay, fit right i mean yeah mm-hmm. you you want to be able to upskill yourself and up level yourself to the point where you can can achieve at that level but a lot of it depends on the fit of where you are yeah and yeah. so how are you advising people about finding the right fit yeah it's step so you, you reference an ebook that i put out seven steps to seven figures on the mm-hmm. complete anti-hustle guide to earning over a million bucks in, in SaaS sales. And step one I talk about is getting in the right environment. And it, it really is, it's, it's important who you work with. It's important where you work to have that support. And for me, again, one of the key attributes that I know I need in order to thrive is freedom and autonomy. And mm-hmm. I was able to, to get that. Obviously, showing results helps keep the manager off, yep, yep. off your back because I'm really literally just everything that we talked about throughout the show. That's literally how I operate every single day and it gets better and better and evolves over time. Um, but you know, I've personally gotten to a place where, okay, the leaderboard's great. The president's club is great. The big commission checks is great, but eventually I've, I've gotten to a point you know, I'm seeking more out of life than, than just those things. And so that's why I've put a concerted effort into the personal brand. And this is why you want something to your personal operating system, your themes to evolve so that you can continue to find enjoyment in what you do Mm -hmm. and find satisfaction. You can have satisfaction at the end of a 
of a workday that should feel intense. It should feel like you've put intense effort in because you are well, well rested and you're not constantly grinding around the clock and you're going through life in this sort of numb, uh, you, you know, going through the motions. You think you're working hard, but you're, 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 you're really not putting anything meaningful out into the world. You're just busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you think you, you can wear that like a badge of honor. So I think it's really important to understand, hey, am I in the right environment? Take the quiet time to, to reflect, whether that's, again, in your every single day in your morning routine or at the, at the big macro level, once a month, once a quarter, um, twice a year. You know, those, those, those moments, you got to check in with yourself. Is this environment supporting my, my theme? Is this and allowing me to achieve my theme this year? Mm-hmm. And you got to just be re- real with yourself and, and say, no, actually, this is a toxic environment. Or this actually, I have all of my operating principles are canceled out <laughs> by right. who I'm working with or, or the pressures I'm getting. So, yeah, that allows you to say, well, no, I need to make a change. Or, um, if you are in the right environment, how do I continue to level up so that uh, if, it, if it's no longer the extrinsic things like President's Club and leaderboards, how do you better connect with the intrinsic motivation so that you can look back on your life in 10, 15, 20 years and say, wow, I lived a really uh, uh, a life that I wanted to be in the driver's seat of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I continually to continue to do the things that are important to me and make an impact. And, and, and the only way you're going to come to those conclusions is giving yourself the space to constantly, uh, tweak and evolve and, and understand yourself. Um, and I think that's, that's what it ultimately comes down to. My personal operating system allows me to understand myself better so that I can make better decisions in the influx of things coming at me, trying right. to take away my temper, break up my temper. Right. <laughs> well, but I, I think that, you know, when you sort of look from the top down a lot of what you were talking about today is, and I, the reason I brought this idea of fit is that you were know, so quick to label people in sales, you know, like a player, B player, C player. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, <laughs> even though I've been in the business forever but increasingly, it's like, yeah, we we don't do anybody a service by by those types of labels. And I think as an individual, rather than allow yourself to be labeled, is think about the fact that that it may just the situation you're in may just not be the right fit yeah. for you. Yeah. I, I sort of like to say sort of broadly, it's like, are there really good salespeople and bad salespeople, or is there really just good fit and bad fit? Yeah. And yeah, I know people say yes, they're bad salespeople. Right. They're good. So, right. Yeah, right. obviously. But I'm saying in general, right? Philosophically, yeah. I think from by and large, most people, it's not they're good or bad. It's just are you in the right fit? Are you yeah. in the right situation? Yeah. And so, just sort of buttress what you talked about is it's just if you're finding yourself struggling, you know, if you take something away from this conversation with Brand, is yeah, this this pragmatism, the self analysis to say, yeah, your ego's maybe tied up in saying, yeah, I I want to succeed here. Right, I should be able to succeed here, but maybe it's just not set up for you. Yeah. Maybe it's just not the right fit. And so, yeah. look at: Are you supported in the way you want to be supported? Yeah. Are you given the autonomy that you need? Are you 
you know, is it the right product and service that you're selling? You know, yeah. all the factors that play into it, analyze them. And then as advocate in my new book is take control of your career and take control of how yeah. you sell yeah. and find something that's a better fit. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, there have absolutely been times in my career that it literally, it just was not the right fit. Um, I was trying to be a strategic type of seller mm-hmm. and I was in an environment early in my career where it was an activities based environment and, and we just, uh, could not, uh, I, I couldn't utilize my skill set. And it, it uh, just wasn't the right fit. So there's nothing right. wrong with that. Finding, find that out early. I was only at that company for, I don't know, less than six months. You know, there, there are going to be moments like that in your, in your career. The worst thing that you can do is try to make it work when you know right. it's absolutely not the right fit. It's not all on you. Right. I mean, it is all on you to change, I think. Right. But, I mean, it's not all on you in terms of the results you're getting and so on. Right. Is, right. Is, yeah, I mean, I've had people that I've inherited at certain jobs as a manager who had been passed around from, you know, team to team and just, you know, weren't able to make it work. And we were able to make it work for them. And yeah. by finding out, hey, what's really what's most important to them? What were they trying to achieve and how could I help them get that? Yeah. Then we're able to say, okay, here's how we can make this a fit for you. Yeah. Or in some cases, maybe we just couldn't and we help them move yeah. on to something else. But, yeah. and I've had <laughs> numerous occasions where people, unfortunately just weren't a fit where they're working with me that went on to be great successes elsewhere. Yeah. And it was just a matter of fit. So exactly. Yeah. Right. Brandon, unfortunately um, we're running out of time and I apologize for that phone call that, <laughs> that came in. <laughs> I thought I had my phone turned off, but that doesn't happen every time. Priorities, Andy priorities. Priorities. That's right. <laughs> person at college should have known better too. Um, and you know who it is. So, um, <laughs> all right. So Brandon, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, LinkedIn, uh, deconstruct all of this. I share my, my newsletter on, on LinkedIn. So please come follow me on, on LinkedIn. I share a lot of great content and, uh, Brandon Uh, I will be sharing the, ebook that we talked about to, mm-hmm. to the public here in upcoming weeks. And those who subscribe to my newsletter on brandonfluhardy.com will be able to get it first and at a discount. Perfect. All right. Yes, I've read it. It's a good ebook. I urge people to uh, take advantage of it. All right, Brandon, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Brandon Fluharty, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for your help with that, and thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.